I just made up lyrics to that song in my head. Careless, careless Whisper? <laughs> <laughs> Do you never want to dance again, John? You got I no, don't. You got no rhythm? I don't. <laughs> uh, I have some follow-up. Is it on your Careless Whisper? Nope, it's not. Are you sure? So last week you said that you thought the service cloud was bigger than sales cloud. <sighs> Already? Really? <laughs> I hit the wrong button. <laughs> Started playing the song. <laughs> Sorry. So, based on the uh, recent financials uh, that were released last week, Sales Cloud is 42% of revenue and Service Cloud is 29%. Only 29, huh? So, you're wrong. You just like being able to prove me wrong. Yep, I told you. I like public shame, publicly shaming you. What's the trend, though? Is the trend up and Sales well, Cloud so, leveling so, off and yes. Service leveling? <laughs> Because that was my thing, was that I, th- I thought service was kind of on the uptick. It is. You're right. Very significantly. Well, we were talking about that earlier, Taps and Caps. That Sales Cloud is, even though that Salesforce has, what is it, 18 or 19% market share for CRM, it's, you know, there's just some theoretical maximum limit that's not much bigger than that. Yeah. And every, every you know, for for every unit you want to increase that market share, it, the dollar gets, you know, the dollars involved get more and more expensive. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to try to get 50% market share of CRM. It makes much more sense to just get in a lot of other businesses, which is obviously what Salesforce is doing. Yeah. Service Cloud was one of the first ones, but that's all kinds of things. But yeah, Sales Cloud grows at like 20, 10% a year and Service Cloud, I think, is around 30, 30 or 40%. Um, how's the app coming? People, people want to know. I have a headache. Inquiring minds want to know. I have a headache. Turns out a week, a week comes around pretty fast, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> <laughs> did Actually. The, did the dog eat your homework? The dog ate my homework. <laughs> um, it's in shreds in the corner of my office. Bad dog. His name's Monster for obvious reasons. You're right. I actually do have a dog named Monster. Pretty cool. And he's huge. He's a 120-pound American bulldog. He's very intimidating, but he's really just the biggest puppy dog you could ever meet. It's feelings hurt. You don't pay attention to him. So moving on? Yeah. Did I, did I distract you from the, from the app topic? No. <laughs> oh, actually, that, you... actually, I did prototype a few methods for connectivity because um, I have a t- couple of different options for the connectivity for this application. So I did, was able to prototype that. Um, but that's about as far as I got. And like you said, a week comes really fast. It's really tough, especially with all these other things I had going on. It was the start of soccer season, so to go go and do that. And so, when do you think we'll you know you'll be able to publicly announce what this thing is all about, or maybe a, a preview of it, let people see it? A preview? We're, we're that's that's way premature right now. Even talking about that, isn't it? Uh, it kind of is. I mean, I would love. Sometime, well, I guess mid-year is almost coming up. I mean, that's what, we're in month three now, so that'd be three months from now. Let's say mid-year, I'll, I'll... I'll mid-year, okay. Yeah, six months, six months So mark. we just hit so March, June, so end April, of June. May, June, end of June. That's, okay, that's, that's, uh, that's four months. Yeah, that gives me enough time to, to release a little bit more about it. Yeah. Cool. But, I, I mean, I don't know, I... I keep making progress. I'm I'm happy with the progress I'm making, but I haven't gotten into the things that normally take me longer, which is kind of the whole UI perspective of it where I get really kind of 
into the details and muddied by my own ideas and muddied by yeah, your own ideas by my own ideas yeah let's see that's a good one muddied by my own ideas well, it's just that you know i i i have a very simple feature set in mind but then my, i can't help but go you know it'd be really nice if it did this or if it did it this way and so i go down that rat hole of kind of seeing what that would look like and what that would be like and then sometimes that leads to something productive most of the time it leads to something very unproductive as I end up having to do a lot more to accomplish it, and then I come back and I'm right back where I'm starting. I think you need to work on your metaphor some. Why? Well, you, you said it's muddied. You, you're calling these things rat holes. I think we need to put a positive spin. This is, these are valuable exercises. Okay, I'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't have any uh, concrete suggestions for you. I'm just saying, work on it. <laughs> uh so we have something for our beverage segment and I'm going to propose that we put, bring it to the beginning of the show so that we can have something to drink during the show. It's not even open. We're going to have to stop while you open well, we it. We don't stop. You can, you can sing a little song, do a little dance. Yeah, but this is why I have you as a co-host so I don't have to run the whole thing. I don't know what it is. That doesn't sound good at all. But I'll sit here and play um, George Michael for you. All right, so, Jeremy, so, what'd you bring to drink? Well, what do you think that is? Well, what'd look, you bring to drink? Well, look at it. What is it? How does it look like? It looks like beer. <laughs> it is beer. Are you already drinking? You didn't even smell it. You skipped one of the most important parts. I this smelled it. This is my it. pet peeve. I smelled it. I always smell my yeah, beer. but you didn't swirl it in like... Oh, my God. In, you know, some... You gotta get your nose all up in there, man. So this is supposed to be a chocolate milk stout. I brewed this beer. This is the first beer I've brewed in about 10 years. So you so made I'm, you I'm made kind of rusty. This. I didn't make this. And I also really jacked up. I didn't. I wouldn't say I jacked up the recipe, but I, I really highly customized the recipe without really doing much research. Hmm. But it came out as beer. It might be kind of weird after coffee. Actually, it might work. What do you think? It's good, but I'm I'm trying to place the flavor that I'm getting. It's almost. I feel like I'm getting a banana flavor. They, okay. Two things on that tip. One is that the yeast that I had on hand for this is, was, is quite a fruity yeast. It, it, You'd the, use it for a Belgian, the, wouldn't you? You probably, well, it's, it's not a Belgian yeast. You typically would use a specifically a Belgian yeast, but you, you could. Um, I don't know. It's just the, the fruitiness of it, that kind of type of flavor reminds me of a Belgian. So yeah. I was kind of like, well, this is supposed to be a stout. doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. it is. And some English stouts are fruity like this. This is actually, mm -hmm. I think, I believe an English yeast strain, but it's certainly fruity. Also, the fermentation, fermentation temperature got a few degrees higher than what I would have liked. I didn't have my environment set up the way I wanted, and that always results in more esters, mm -hmm. which are going to give it a, a bit of a fruity aspect. You're getting chocolate on it. I am getting chocolate. So I used, I used cocoa nibs. You know what cocoa nibs are? 
They're what chocolate's made of. Pretty much. <laughs> it's basically the the roasted, you know, the the chocolate yeah. cocoa fruit or cacao, as I call it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say it like that. I'm so glad most of our neighbors yeah. have moved out. I, I think they're, they're all gone. <laughs> I think they moved out because of yeah. you. I used cacao nibs in this. <laughs> but no, they're the, so it's the, you know, it's a pretty big size fruit, but uh-huh. it's full of these, you know, beans and they're gr- gross, white, slimy before they're yeah. roasted. I mean, if you've ever, go online and watch how, where your cocoa comes from. It's, it's almost kind of gross, the fruit, because yeah. you crack it open, it's almost like a coconut type shell. It's, it is gross looking. And these it's, gross, slimy things come out. I mean, they, who, look, they look like they're covered in lotion. This is what gets me about the history of food. Who said, this gross thing, I bet if you took the seed out and dried it, it would, and mix it with sugar, it'd be pretty good. Naturally, the way it was traditionally yeah. drank was without sugar. It was the crazy natives, man. Yeah. The, what was the, it was the, um, oh, the Incas or the Aztecs. Oh, I always get them confused. Yeah, it was one of them. But yeah, they, it was, uh, yeah, they drank it. They and just they mixed took it, it over water. to Spain, and that's when they started adding sugar to mm-hmm. it. But anyway, no, it's it's so it's it's those it's the beans, but it's the, it's after they're roasted, so they're they're brown like chocolate looks. But it's before they're completely ground down and mixed up a bunch to become what we think of as chocolate. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the whole bean just uh, ground, not not finely ground, almost like broken up. So they're you know chunks of them, but. You know, you can do it different ways. You can just throw these kind of ground cocoa nibs just directly into your into a fermenter, mm-hmm. th- so they sit for a week or two or whatever to extract. But what I did was, I took a, 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 like six ounces of vodka and just threw them in that, and put them in a mason jar, and just let it sit there for a couple of weeks and extract. And then I didn't throw the cocoa nibs in. I just put that resulting vodka in right before I bottled as a part of the bottling process. So what's the ABV on this then? <laughs> I think it's about 6.5. Yeah. It might be. It might be higher. People do say, the people that have tasted this said that did, they, they thought it was a fairly high, high gravity bear. Well, you got that added vodka in it. <clears throat> well, yeah. It was a five-gallon batch, so six ounces of vodka is oh, yeah. pretty negligible. Yeah. Anyway. So that's what we're drinking today. Do you have a name... I don't. Brew, it's just um, it's just you know chocolate milk stout number one. Because this isn't your first attempt. You had you you had done this previously years before, and you had dubbed it uh, Beagle Brew. Well, that, you dubbed it Beagle Brew. I did. This goes back to the Ohio days <laughs> when we were living in the cornfields with nothing to do other yeah. than brew beer, and didn't make any babies up there. But that's one of the <laughs> <laughs> that was the other thing you could do. Yeah, exactly, make beer and make babies, and <laughs> yeah, went for beer. I wasn't ready for the babies yet. Yeah, so it's it's been now we did brew one or two batches of beer once we came back to Texas, but that was that was over ten years ago. Wow, like twelve years rusty. Ago. Yeah, I, I am. No, it's a good I've beer. A, it doesn't show. I just brewed a um, pale ale. It's going to be a pretty hoppy American style pale ale uh, on Saturday, and it's fermenting now, so it'll be ready in probably six weeks. So in six weeks, we get to do this again. Yeah, exactly. So. Cheers and enjoy your homebrew. Enjoy. <laughs> you being racist on me? No. Like fun you, of my Spanish you keep accusing me of being racist. That's a good one. Hey, I was just listening to the uh, Code Coverage podcast 
a little bit earlier. You mean you do not exclusively listen to the Good Day Sir podcast? (laughs) Are you cheating on us? I listen to only the Good Day Sir podcast on loop over and over and over. (laughs) No, um, but now they mentioned, uh, I think it was Matt Lacey mentioned that Chris Peterson, um, who is a um, a Salesforce developer who worked for Financial Force for for, quite a while. Yeah. Now works for, uh, went to work for Salesforce, which I'm kind of bummed about because... He would always help find and report these bugs, and he, you know, being working for Financial Force, I think he had some fairly direct ties, knew all the right people to get the bugs to, and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And I don't know what he's doing for Salesforce. I haven't talked to him. Maybe we should uh, talk to him. But I think, and, according and, and, to LinkedIn, he is his title is lead member of technical staff, Force.com. Well, first of all, I thought Force.com didn't exist anymore. Well, apparently, it does. And I don't know what technical staff means. Is that uh, sales engineering? <clears throat> is that R&D? Is that I'm just going by what's on LinkedIn. Yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, so he's... But that was in hmm. December, apparently. According to this is when he made the switch from Financial Force to Salesforce. See, I wonder who's going to... I wonder if he'll still be in a position, though, to be... To work with... Because the thing is, when you, when you work with as much code as he worked with and did mm-hmm. as much work on the platform, you know, you find just find all these bugs. And I wonder if he'll, you know, still be in a position to surface all these bugs and get them reported to the right people. Yeah. Because when I report bugs, you know, it's like, okay, level one support. And they're like, Oh, have you reset your computer? Have you, you know, have you refreshed your eclipse? I don't use eclipse. Uh, could you, uh, well, we don't, you know, refresh your eclipse. Well, I don't have, I only use eclipse. Well, um, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't have time for this. Anyway, good luck, Chris. Congratulations. Hope that hope that's. I have no idea where he lives, but it must be in the <laughs> California area, I guess. Does the Salesforce hire? Do they employ you know engineers all over the place, or is it just San Francisco and San Mateo or wherever? That they I don't know. I don't either. I mean, I know they're. I'd ac- imagine if you're in some kind of leadership capacity, you have to be there. I don't think I don't think they do look a lot of remote managerial stuff so the marketing cloud that was exact target and that was in indiana so i bet a lot of those <clears throat> that organization is probably still largely in place in indiana mm, maybe uh, those are kind of i guess grandfathered situations though <clears throat> possibly well this this cracked me up i saw that so alphabet which is the new google company and salesforce ventures just poured millions of dollars into a startup called Thousand Eyes. Is that the, uh, like some kind of virtual reality company or well, augmented that's, reality? That's what it sounds like, or, yeah. or VR or whatever, but it's not. It's a startup that can detect when cloud software goes down. Well, could use that today. I was, well, that's true. <laughs> and also, by the way, what, also, I'm, did, just, I'm just going to put a, this is an official <clears throat> offer to any Salesforce, uh, you know, people, employees or, or executives listening. I, I'm offering this right now. I will tell you when Salesforce is down for, and I'll, I'll do it for, let's see, they, they paid $35 million. I'll do it for $5 million. <laughs> Save you a lot of money. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Salesforce was having a bunch of issues. And of course, Trust, trust largely was saying that there was nothing wrong. Although, um, man, one of the EU instances was, has been down for like four hours. Like just red. Uh, actually, according to Trust, one instance is still affected. Uh, yeah, EU. EU too. 
Sometimes when things get really terrible, like I think I had an instance where, um, and this uh, this is I think I think all force.com sites were down, right? Which includes any portals, communities, all those sorts of things. And Trust reported it as a minor disruption. Minor. Well, this is <laughs> this is an interesting disruption. So EU two, at least at, at currently, is available in read only mode. End users will be able to view and report their data, but will not be able to add, edit or delete data. Oh yeah, read only mode. They yeah. do have that ability. If something is really wrong, just they put it in read only mode. Yeah, how many hours has it been in that? Like six now? Yeah. Yeah, they're over the six hour mark. And I think overall, you know, Salesforce has a pretty good performance record. Well, they've got about a hundred <laughs> instances out there. Well, and that I was, I, I, you know, I was looking at that and I was thinking that because, you know, I, in fact, I was listening to the earnings conference call, which we'll, which we'll get into in a little bit. But, you know, Mark was talking about how, you know, be, it begins back on the beware of the false cloud and it's not cloud if it's not multi-tenant. And I was thinking, well, I actually don't really give a crap if my software as a service is multi-tenant. I don't care. I don't care if you have a database just for me or if I'm sharing a database with a thousand people. That's that is a performance. Uh, that is a an implementation detail that I don't even care about as a user. I just want performance. I want features. I want you know a good price. I want there's all the qualities I want. But how you implement it, I, that's not. That's a co- multi-tenancy is nothing but a cost-saving uh, aspect, and and, per, and potentially maybe performance too. I don't know, but like that doesn't—that's not a requirement of to make something cloud. I, yeah, he, I think he, it's, I, I think it's more of the. It is an implementation feature, but I think what it buys you is just the flexibility. I mean, you're the the hardware itself. You're not having to foot the entire bill for the hardware because. There are other people sitting there using that, so it's not just that because I mean you, you can put a thousand Oracle databases on a box. I mean, I mean from a from a customer perspective, buying Salesforce it helps keep the cost down. Theoretically, theoretically, right. and that's and I do. I mean, again, like I said, I, I I care about performance. I care about features. I care about the cost I'm paying. <clears throat> but whatever they do to achieve that cost, that's again, that's an implementation detail. I, I when I log into Salesforce, there's nothing I can do to see whether I'm the only customer on that database or whether there's a hundred or a thousand. I have no idea. I don't know. Therefore, that is not a feature to me. I don't really care. Well, if you want your own, you can just get your own super, super pod. Yeah. <laughs> your HP super pod? Yeah. That's dead, isn't it? I don't think so. You don't think so? No. Really? I just think it costs a lot to do it. I think that it's just them firing up another instance and it's just yours. You're the only one on it. I think that was... I don't think architecturally they have to change I anything. I think that was DOA. No, I think there were some really big enterprise customers that... I do that think there are people for performance off, yeah. reasons they had so much data yeah, could be. and so many users that they just couldn't be in a multi-tenant environment. Yeah. Uh, I have a WTF of the week. Whiskey Tango Fox. This is something that I just overheard today or uh, this week. If you have collaborative forecasts uh, and you want to enter quotas for your users, you have to do it through the data loader. <laughs> There's not a UI for it. Like you have to, if you want, there is a UI if you turn on some other feature, like it, maybe it's advanced forecasting or something. I can't remember. I don't know, because I don't ever do forecasting. Mm-hmm. I really just don't get into, I don't do much with CRM. Do you do much with actual CRM? Or are you just com- pretty much exclusively on like the extensive customization and, and just like yeah, new I mean, functionality? No, no one calls me in to, to point and click some. You haven't set up a forecast? In, <laughs> set up a forecast or anything. <laughs> me neither. Now, back in the day, yeah. I mean, I, I would kind of go in and I'd do a lot of this stuff, but... 
as Salesforce got bigger and the project teams got bigger and roles got more defined and walls were put up, I, I you know, I started focusing more on purely development. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I, did, I am certified on these things, but that, again, that we all know that's not saying very much. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we have the, we didn't do the financial results last week because they happened basically as we were recording. So we can get into that. I have some details. I clipped some things from the conference call that we can listen to, which are uh, always entertaining. You wanted to get into that now or? I'll, I'll tell you, I won't be impressed unless they mention Docker lightweight containers. Mm, I think you're going to be disappointed then. <laughs> because any any actual industry standard open technology does not apply to Salesforce. You're not going to hear Salesforce <laughs> talking about it. They want proprietary. They want they want to be the roach motel of of software. All right. Well, let's do the so okay. So, uh, surprise, surprise, uh, they, Salesforce had a great, an amazing quarter. It was, it was their Q4 of, of 16, right? Because we all know that they've entered fiscal year 17. We, they had the big, the big party. Yeah, they had that big party with uh, the band that played music that was not theirs. <laughs> and t- t- it was like half the band playing, I don't, I don't know, that was a big fail, sorry. Yeah, and then uh, Todd Nielsen got to do his swan song. <laughs> that was his swan song, man. I guess, yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, but uh, okay, so quarterly revenue was uh, one point eight billion, which is up twenty five percent year over year. Full year revenues they came out came in at oh they must have rounded this up at six point six seven. I wonder if I wonder if it was actually like raw. It was like six point six six, and they're like, oh my gosh, we got to find some way to round this up to seven. <laughs> <laughs> That's not much of a rounding though. I would I would have chopped it off and and just done seven billion. So it was, it was 6.67 billion, up yeah. 24% year. Yeah, if you're going to round a number, round the whole number, I guess. Um, quarterly operating cash flow, I'm assuming this is free cash flow, 459 million, up 38% year over year. Deferred revenue, 4.29 billion, hmm. uh, which is up 29%. So the deferred revenue is interesting. So again, we have to, I think, d- definitions here come into play. So let's say that you sign up with Salesforce and you sign a one-year contract, mm-hmm. right? And let's say you even pay for that year up front because Salesforce likes you to pay up front. It helps, again, that's where that uh, nice cash flow number comes from. <laughs> <laughs> they can't, so that, okay, and let's say you're paying them a million dollars for a year of Salesforce, mm. okay? Right. Sign a contract for a year and you're going to pay for that year up front. They get the million dollars, so that hits their cash flow number. So they have great cash flow. But they can't recognize that million dollars as revenue. Right. They can only recognize they what well, I mean there's flexibility, but I think what they tend to do is recognize a hundred thousand dollars or what would it be, like eighty something thousand dollars every month. They're gonna split that, they're gonna take that number and divide it by twelve for each month, and that's what they recognize every month. So that's that's why it's deferred revenue. They'll recognize one month up front and all the rest of it's is deferred. And but then it's not, it's not always paying up front. Well, I guess everything with Salesforce is paid up front, right, isn't it? No, 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 no. So let's say you <clears> sign <throat> a three-year, or I mean, really nowadays, yeah, I, I mean, three I, years I, a better I, keep, example. I keep saying more and more that Salesforce and the minimum contract that they want, or, that they want nowadays is three years. But, you know, they go up to, I think, like six to 10 years. Mm. But, um, yeah, so you could sign a three-year contract, but you may only pay, you're probably going to pay one year, one year at a time. Yeah. Yeah. But they call these, you know, 
because they put these on the balance sheet and they call them, uh, you know, non-cancelable contracts, which I'm not sure, you know, they don't, they don't go into any details on what that means. Really. And I'm, I'm always curious about that because they have, what is it? Uh, something like, you know, $9 billion in unbilled, booked but unbilled deferred revenue. $9 billion? Yeah, something like Some huge number. Um, no, I'm sorry. Here, here we go. Unbilled deferred revenue of approximately $7.1 billion. Okay. So let's say, again, the three-year contract scenario. You sign a three-year contract. They're going to invoice you for a million of that. You, and you pay them right then for a million. It's a million dollars cash flow, but it's only, they're only, they're not going to, only going to recognize a month of that revenue. So, so the other 11 months is deferred revenue. And then years two and three are unbilled deferred revenue. They haven't even invoiced you for it. But there's, there's a lot of questions around how real that number is and how really non-cancelable these things are mm-hmm. and how negotiable they are. So anyway. Uh, so they've raised their uh, fiscal year 17 revenue guidance to basically right around $8 billion. So they think they're going to do $8 billion. Well, so Okay, so let's think about this. Last year they did, so they just finished and it was what, 6.67? And next year's only going to be 8 is that how, what does that mean as far as growth rate? What, are the, what is that? That doesn't seem that much of a growth, does it? So eight. Well, were they, they were last year, they were on six, weren't they? So eight, that's eight two, minus that's, 6.7. That's 1.3 billion. 1.3 divided by 6.7 is, that's 19%. So it's, that's that, their growth rates. It is, it's good, but it's, it's definitely, I'm sure it's definitely like slowing. I'm sure hit 10 billion next year, but. So this is interesting. They, and I, man, I really want to do a, a comparison, like a, a benchmark comparison, but they have, they're up to 19,742 employees. So let's call it, they're probably at 20,000 employees now. Um, and they have, let's see, 6.667, that's a million, that's a billion divided by 20,000 employees. So $333,000 per employee revenue. Which, man, for their expensive employees, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's, I don't know. Uh, there are, you know, in fact, I heard the numbers the other day comparing to like to fa- like Facebook has almost a million dollars in revenue per employee. Really? Yeah. Crazy. Um, they issue, <laughs> again, back to the stock-based compensation. They, I, and that's, I had to, I'm not sure if this number is accurate. I came up with this myself just by comparing the different financial statements, but it looks like they issued about $50 million in new shares, which is what they used to, instead of paying people like full salary, like, okay, it's going to be 80% salary, but we're going to give you these great, or they're going to, or we're going to, they're going to enrich their executives with the, you know, with all the stock options. Well, that's, that was about, if the math is right, that's about $3 billion worth of stock, new stock they've issued. Now, I don't know if all of that was used for compensation or if they did other stuff with it. I don't know. Hmm. They did make, or, well, no, because that was through ventures. Yeah, good question. They did say, and this I'm not. This is not some number I tried to back into. They they said in fiscal year 17 they will pay one dollar per share in stock compensation to executives, which is based on current valuation. That's about seven hundred million dollars. Um, and that is more than this. What is a what a forty billion dollar market cap company earns for its shareholders? 
So they're, they're basically, again, creating stock out of thin air, which is diluting all their shareholders to pay these executives with. And they're not actually earning money for their shareholders. That, that's, again, the big criticism. They're, you know, and again, about uh, somewhere around half of their free cash flow is from generating you know, shares of stock out of thin air. Because why pay someone $100,000 when you can pay them $50,000 but give them a bunch of stock that you just diluted your shareholders with? Especially, and where that's really valuable, where that works, is if people think your stock price is going up. I mean, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's a competitive employment market, right? Yeah. I mean, I might go to work for Salesforce for, you know, a very modest salary if, I, if they're going to give me some good stock options and I think that stock is going to go up a lot. Now, if I don't think that stock is going anywhere, that, that's when it becomes hard for these companies to, uh, to hire people. If... if no one thinks their stock's doing well. Like Twitter, right? now, I bet they're having a hard time hiring. Of course, aren't they laying people off? But anyway, I mean, every, everyone's always hiring. Even if you're laying off, you're still hiring. It's, that's one of the kind of scams of modern-day employment. But um, it's hard to hire when people think that your stock is just not going anywhere, especially in that, you know, in Silicon Valley. But yeah, I mean, overall, so, so, you know, Salesforce is now an $8 billion a year revenue company that cannot eke out a gap profit. I mean, I didn't talk much about profit. You know, they're non-gap, um, I have to look at it, I don't remember, but they, they, you know, they, they technically, I guess, have a profit. But, you know, if you follow the gap rules, mm-hmm. which everyone kind of has to, um, they're still, I mean, they're, they're closing, they're closing that loss gap, but it's still, it's still, uh, it's still not profitable. Um, trading about 90 times their price, or their PE is about 90X against non-gap income. So, which basically means that their stock is still extremely richly valued, somewhat of a bubble. Kind of like that uh, massive fancy building they're building in the, in, the, <laughs> in the middle of the most expensive real estate, in the middle of the you know, biggest real estate bubble there is. It'll be interesting. Um, bubbles, bubbles. What else? Yeah. Lots of non-standard accounting. A lot of uh, adjustments. Um, the stock is back up. Uh, it's well, it's not where it was, but it's it. What you said, it hits. It's bad. It looked today. It's so back up to seventy or so, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's seventy point four two. Yeah, they, I think they also, if you look in their notes, I guess they release along with their financial statements. You know, they're <laughs> they're still making these absurd claims of millions of apps. And 1.7, or 1.7 million developers, something like that. And I'm thinking, what? 1.7 million developers? I mean, if you're talking Silicon Valley, what, there's a, what is there, supposedly like around 250,000 developers in Silicon Valley, like entire Silicon Valley. And Salesforce isn't even a popular development platform. So like, where are these people? And what are they making? Where are the, what are the apps they're making? I mean, how many are on App Exchange? Like, is it a couple thousand actual apps? Uh, yeah, on the App Exchange. Well, I mean, it's gotten big enough that it's hard to find anything in it, or even kind of get through and find something that's worth your time. Yeah, <clears throat> I know, but they—they, they, you know, they announced some number recently as a, again some self congratulation that they hit some. I think it was a couple thousand App Exchange apps, maybe. But where are these millions of apps? And where are these 2 million developers? I th- actually, I think the 1.7 million number was from last year. So theoretically, it's gotten bigger, right? Yeah. Again, I, I think they're counting the number of dev orgs that have ever been created. 
<laughs> I, I think that's what, I mean, what are they counting? I mean, how, how, well, maybe they're counting developer certifications. No, there's not near that many. I bet, I bet there, I oh, bet that on. number. Everyone has a developer certification. I, bet, but I, I know, but I'm saying I bet that number, I bet you're literally in the, in the thousands, not, not millions. A certifications? Yeah, thousands. Thousands of developer certifications. Oh, I think you're wrong. You think there's millions? I mean, do the math. Do the math on how many Salesforce customers there are. Just saying. I mean, what, okay, okay, what are these millions of developers doing, John? According to Salesforce, they, they've created millions of apps. Yeah. Are you, so you're, you're, you're drinking that Kool-Aid. I am. <laughs> Some good stuff. It's good Kool-Aid. <laughs> it's drinking. delicious. It's nice and sugary. I think, I think you've drank too much of my... This, I think this ABV on this homebrew might be higher than what I thought it was. <laughs> it's sugary sweet. <laughs> That's not sugar, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave my sales force alone. But I was trying to figure out, I think it's like, a, I think this is now about 20 to 25, as far as I can tell, quarters in a row where Salesforce has slightly beaten, meaning revenue revenue expectations mm-hmm. slightly beaten what they put up, put up before and raised um their forecast for the next quarter 25 in a row it's awesome that means we still have a job Woo-hoo. well yeah <laughs> and they've never missed i mean it's weird it this is a this is a questionable thing and i've seen people write articles about this and it's like what? There's no, there's no seasonality. There's no. Well, they, if they miss, they, their stock is in the tank. They never have a big windfall hit. Like even when they, you know, supposedly sign, you know, some big nine figure customers or whatever. Then, then you know, that never results in a big. Oh, we blew out expectations. There's no, there's no, there's never a. They never miss. No, there's never. They can't, a, there's they, never the a one time event. can't afford them to miss. Look what happens when when who was it? Um, Tableau that that missed and and it took a bunch of air out of the bubble. Well, so here's uh, yeah, so anything yeah. anyone who's in the cloud space, but that wasn't Salesforce missing, and, out of, and no, but what I'm saying it, it's it's an ecosystem within that bubble that you can't miss. According to you'll affect everyone hey, else's stock prices. According to Mark Benioff, Tableau is not even cloud software. Well, because it, uh, <laughs> I don't know, because it's not multi-tenant. Maybe I'm not sure. Whatever his <laughs> requirements are, you know, I, Mark really should listen to our last episode where I de- where I define what makes a what makes a, it cloud. You want to go with your definition or the guy who's worth three billions definition of cloud? Mine. <laughs> I, th- I think if you've amassed that amount of money, you can pretty much define what your industry is, right? You can, I mean, you can say what you want. Like, sure. He's got a big megaphone. No doubt about that. Yeah. That doesn't mean that the, the facts coming out of it are actual facts or they're correct. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think they're, they're really kind of smug about the, about you know their <laughs> the consistency of their you know uh you know beat and raise beat and raise beat and raise every single quarter um but supposedly the you know this whole deferred revenue thing it's not really that auditable or it doesn't it's it's not a it's not like a necessarily a regulated thing mm-hmm. and so they can and i've said this before i thought this they can use that as a sandbag right so you know, let's say they come in a little low one quarter. Oh, no problem. Just pull some out of that and we'll put it in this, you know, bring it, bring it forward, bring it into current revenue, bring it, you know, bring it into revenue. And if they're, if they do have a, you know, a great quarter, well, they don't want to, you just want to beat a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So that number one, so that you don't, uh, 
so when you do make estimates that Wall Street trusts that you're not sandbagging, because if you blow it out, then you oh you're a sandbag or whatever, right? You are you are lowering, you're tamping in expectations in an attempt to blow something out. So if you do have a great quarter where you sign a bunch of new customers or these huge deals and you get paid for a good amount up front, then put some put some back in that deferred revenue bucket. Nice little tool there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, there is some okay, there's there's two things that are one of them is really legit, which is software as a service companies, the way that you any really it's any subscription business. It's kind of non-traditional, and the way you have to do the accounting for the for these types of revenue models and everything is is really completely different, and you really have to understand that. But the other side is is some of this some parts of this are not regulated, and it gives you these interesting little levers that you can play with to to get there. There's some options here. There's some wiggle room, yeah. And you can really craft your numbers however you want them to be. Now you can't make stuff up out of whole cloth, like if you're going to bring something from deferred revenue to current revenue, it's got to be there in deferred revenue. I mean, if you're, right. you know, if you're making stuff up, that's, you know, that's called uh, going to prison, but because <laughs> this is the SEC and we have Sarbanes-Oxley and, and all that where you have yeah. to, you know, what is, that, that's the big thing with Sarbanes, by the way. We talked, we talked about that a couple weeks ago that one of the big changes what, was that the officers all had to personally sign off on the financial statements. Mm. Put some skin in the game. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not saying they're making stuff up. Yeah, you kind of are. <laughs> no, no, they just they have options, and I think they are using utilizing those options to beat and raise, beat and raise, beat and raise perfectly. But do you for fault them for using these, in a row? these at least at this point in time acceptable levers, acceptable options, legal options? I'll say I don't think I do fault them. I mean, they are trying to put the best face on their results, and they're not breaking any laws, right? That right. I, I mean. I have no reason to think they're breaking any laws. I don't, you know, at all. There's just a lot of gray area accounting going on. Is that fair? It's fair. Covered in lotion. Cover what? <laughs> Where'd that come from? <laughs> Nothing. All right. Um, okay. Yeah, maybe I don't. I have know. clips. I do have clips to break up my monotonous voice. God, I was getting so bored. <laughs> um, there were 500 people on this conference call. Jesus. Yeah. These are all analysts? I guess so. They had two. And these and analysts are like a, like a feral cat, man. They, one little <laughs> thing spooks them and they jump and run. Analysts are like a feral cat. Got to write that down too. Let's see. Oh, someone who's related to cloud had a bad quarter. Oh, down everything. Yeah. Turmoil. Exactly. A week later, everything's back up. Like, what the hell, man? Yeah. What happened to doom and gloom? They So, Salesforce had, according, and I'm not sure if this is clipped or not, so I'm just going to say it now. They had two nine-figure deals in this quarter. Okay. Can you do the math on that? What is a nine-figure deal? I don't know. I need Google. <laughs> <laughs> I need Alexa. Okay. Alexa, what is nine? Well, so seven, seven figures is in the... Is in the millions. Eight figures is tens of millions, and nine figures is hundreds of millions. And who, wait a minute. Okay, so who had what? Salesforce had two nine. They closed two nine-figure deals. That's awesome. One of them was Accenture. Uh, I think. Uh, but then that, that makes me question. Really, Accenture signed a multi-hundreds of millions of dollar deal with Salesforce. 
That's that's weird. And, and, that's and, like and, saying, <laughs> okay, we're gonna pay you this, but we want all your customers using us, so we're gonna get it back somehow. I don't. That, and and is that a non-cancelable contract also? Yeah. <laughs> Unbilled deferred revenue. Maybe that was just the pa- the payment for next year's Dreamforce. Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> for the yeah. Extreme Cyrus. <laughs> so it could be super platinum. Yeah. That's one of their other ultra platinum. That's one of the other levers they have is yeah. getting other people to pay for their for the for their big parties. Um, and then the other one was an int- I don't one of the in- one of the big insurance companies. I think they mentioned that. Okay, so let me find. I probably should have numbered these. Um, here we go. Your next question comes from the line of Heather Bellini with Goldman Sachs. I thought we were on an actual call. Thank you. Um, I was wondering, um, Mark Benioff, if you could talk to us a little bit about your vision for analytics. I know the product's relatively new. I guess I'm just wondering, out of Dreamforce, if you could give us an update on the types of customer conversations you're having in regards to analytics. And if you were to look out kind of three to five years, what do you? How do you think about? Uh, there, there's obviously multiple different vendors right now that can do analytics on top of the Salesforce platform. How do you think of your own offering, kind of replacing uh, those people that are piggybacking on top of CRM deployments today? Thank you. Well, Heather, I. Uh... <laughs> a dramatic question. That was that but, was a long. But this is that what, was a very nice, politically correct way of asking a of saying a very hey, direct are, question. Aren't you killing your partners again? These people that you created this platform for and created this ecosystem that you're now, and this is, the, this is not the first time we've heard these analysts asking them why they're crushing their partners. Interesting. Squirrel. <laughs> well, uh, I think it's a great question and uh, great really question. Uh, great question. a huge focus uh, uh, here at Salesforce. You know, of course, Analytics applications um, have been an incredible part of the CRM market for a long time, and there are many vendors who offer analytics uh, applications on our platform. When we first introduced our way of capability, which was just a little over a year ago, we didn't introduce applications. We introduced a platform. We introduced the ability to build analytics applications using our way of platform, and we said that this strategy was going to be quite differentiated from others because we were going to be platform first. We were going to build an ecosystem. Okay, so they're going to build a, they built a platform. Mm-hmm. They're going to build an ecosystem, which is players in that, right? And then okay. we would later build these applications, and then we would later build all of these capabilities from the platform into all of our products and into all of our ISV capabilities as well. And that's where we are today. I think that there isn't a... So, I mean, to me, he's saying, we built this platform and created an ecosystem and invited these people to come in, and now we're, now to answer your question, we're, we're building these products that are displacing the, these, other, these uh, partners. I don't know if it's that. I think he's, what he's trying to say is that it, it's a platform that you can, in, in the Visual Force is, is part of the platform technology stack. Wave Analytics is part of that. And as you build your applications for Salesforce, you can then utilize these to your advantage. You can build your your application that's maybe an industry-focused application and includes Wave dashboards and things like that. Hmm. Uh, Customer or demonstration or new sale that's happening where this analytics uh, capability is not a huge part of what we offer the customer. This is analytics as a service. This is scalability. This runs on your phone, on your tablet. This runs on your desktop. This runs on your watch. 
This is a multi-tenant, fully scalable system. Um, it has fully scalable. Did you know that, John? I don't, I don't have a reason to dispute that. Except for all the ways that Salesforce doesn't scale. Okay. Characteristics well, of we're talking about Wave as a platform itself, which is different technology. There's no limits on Wave? No, there's limits on Wave. Okay. <laughs> Every other Salesforce <laughs> product that you know and love, it's deeply integrated into our core platform, which is Lightning. So Wave is deeply integrated into their core platform, which is Lightning. Yeah, you've got to have Lightning. Did you know that Lightning is the is the core platform now? They replaced their core platform. It's gone. Now there's Force.com is gone. It's now Lightning. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think when they rebrand something, he I don't think anyone's telling him that they're actually not replacing things. They're just re changing names of things. No, I, I just think for these analysts, they they constantly want to hear what's new, what's new, what's going on. And so what they do is they spoon feed him uh, these uh, new right. buzzwords that they're not going to know. So they're not going to know that this function does the same get from database and push to here they're, they're not going to know that and and they just they know the top level buzzwords they ask questions in terms of top level super high level buzzwords and mark and these guys answer them back in those same exact terms yeah i mean just think about all these articles that get written every time they come out with a new buzzword and they release it as this new technology right? and the person and like, the person rebranded the, the person writing the article has zero idea what they're talking yeah. about the and new that, app yeah. cloud i know it's made up of this this and this i'm like roku has been around force.com's been <laughs> oh, around yeah. it's not new so i didn't th this conference call was interesting though because they normally have like a 30 or 40 minute monologue which is usually it's almost all mark benioff yeah Right, and I noticed this was kind of very call-like. Normally, well, his audio is a lot better. I didn't and everything. even anything from it. There were they. He had maybe a five-minute thing at the most where he said, "Hey, this is our, you know, of course, best quarter ever, best year ever, amazing, you know, performance in which we still can't make a profit." Oh wait, I don't <laughs> think he said that. Um, but then he immediately went and he said, "Hey, we're going to hit the short. We're going to write any questions." Of course, the questions take up forty-five minutes because there are five hundred people on the call. But are we going to start calling into these? I'm gonna start. I'm gonna need to ask some questions. <laughs> Think they let me in? Probably not. And Wave is um, amazing. Uh, the growth is terrific. We're gonna, I believe, start to see an incredible breakout. Amazing, terrific, year that incredible. We're starting now, and uh, we're just finishing our fiscal year kickoff. The it's last spread few those days out, man. I know. Here in San Francisco, and uh, Wave was a huge part of the emphasis of what we're gonna do this year. So. You're going to see a lot of that product. We're very excited about its capabilities. Not, it's, it's, it's an incredible platform. And, and I will tell, I'll, guess I'll tip my hand here that we have been demonstrating internally here a number of core wave applications, including our new um, uh, sales wave capability, which is our sales well, We knew about that, so that's not tipping wave, his hand. Service nope. wave, service capabilities, marketing wave, marketing capabilities. And even Mark Hawkins here... Um, has built a full set of applications that help him run uh, his uh, entire financial business. And so it's, a, it's an exciting new product, and uh, we're, we couldn't be more excited to be in the analytics business. Who is Mark Hawkins? He's there, I believe, a CFO. Oh. So he's riding the lightning, yeah. the wave. And this, I mean, it's it's just a lot more of this, but it, it's weird how again this this that level. He never answered that the question. Level, I know he never does. They never do. I mean, this is you're gonna. I've got a few <laughs> more we can listen to here, but it's so funny they they they, they do not answer the actual questions, and I'm no one you. cares. No one follows up and says, "Oh, wait a minute, but you didn't really answer the question. Can you tell me specifically this, this, this?" No, they never. They don't do that. Uh, let's see. 
app cloud f- fastest growing, or is that? By more lightning companies because. Um, let me back this up. It's VLC doesn't like me. I see now it's doing this weird thing again. Your next question comes from the line of Brent Phil with UBS. Okay. I can go back. To we'll we'll come back to that. Okay, go ahead, Brett. <laughs> hey, Mark. Uh, the app cloud was your fastest growing cloud. It's showing really nice acceleration. Can you just uh, give a sense of what you're seeing uh, in, in some of these deals with with the, the app cloud? And I, I guess just to follow on with Keith uh, to uh, wait, did, did we miss something? Well, first of all, what is this? What do you think this guy thinks app cloud is? I don't know. I mean, again, they're treating it as if something that was brand new that they just came out with. Yeah, I'm going to try to restart this. Uh, this program is. But I feel like we missed something in yeah, the conversation. We'll, we'll come back to that. Okay, go ahead, Brett. <laughs> Hey, Mark, uh, the app cloud was your fastest-growing cloud. Fastest-growing cloud? Well, what is app cloud, John? I don't know. Heroku? Does he mean Heroku's the fastest-growing thing? Is that pretty sure that's not true? Enforce.com? Which is not even its own cloud? Well, it became the app cloud, so I guess all the success of those combined becomes the new app cloud, and thus all all of its success is accelerated, right? This is what I'm talking about. These guys are talking in... Extremely abstract terms as if they're concrete things. And they, I think they truly maybe think they are. Salesforce wins. Uh, They get to define the term and call something new. Wow. And it's just, it's pure fiction. By putting a new code on it and saying, hey, this is new. Okay. It's showing really nice acceleration. Suspend reality uh, for a moment. Of what you're seeing uh, in in some of these deals with with the the app cloud. And I I guess just to follow along with Keith to, uh, to the prior question, just the, the the fear of the macro has been weighing on a lot of investors. Some of the comments from others. Yes, a fear of the macro. That just means like, you know, does the China economy slowing down or low oil prices or the even the the SaaS segment is is uh, has you know, there's been questions mm-hmm. raised about it, and that's the macro. Your your tech brother, and can you just give a signal? It doesn't sound like you've seen any any type of slowdown based on the result, but just give us a sense of kind of what you're seeing among. Uh, some of the customer conversations as you look out the next couple quarters? Sure. You know, I think number one is customers are looking to build applications faster than ever before, and customers want to be able to build applications once and deploy them on every modern platform, which includes a watch, a phone, a tablet, a PC, and many different types of tablets and many different types of PCs and many different types of phones. And... You know, we have delivered the most modern, most incredible application development uh, and deployment platform, I believe, in the enterprise today, which is Lightning. And you heard Accenture talk about on our February 2nd launch how it's accelerating their own ability to build applications, not only internally, but for their customers. I just got to stop that. What, what do you say? We have built the most, you know, the most modern... You know, I was up. Platform. I was with him until he said that. I was with him. You know that that they built their platform to support these capabilities and everything. But the most modern, the most it's it's not no, best of breed no. technology that no. that we're getting to use on our side. Right now, they got to use best of breed technologies on their side to do it. Yeah. But we don't get to use those technologies. <laughs> we got to use whatever they give us. Uh, I've got I've got you speaking my language now, John. <laughs> Using our Lightning platform because there's nothing else like it. Companies That's in the true. software industry have kind of doubled down and gone back and focused on building apps and kind of getting their apps to be kind of sexier and, and, and looking better. No, you, I'm afraid. You, you and your stupid apps that look good, John. 
that's so you're so wasting your time with your you th- do, do apps you, that look good. Do you feel like history is oh, repeating itself? You, what you you tell me you waste your time on a good UX and a good looking app? <laughs> oh <my> God, <laughs> ridiculous. Anyways, do you feel like you, you got your head in the sand, oh. man? <laughs> do you feel like history is repeating itself? In what way? I mean, at one point in time, you were nothing unless you had a web page. And then Web 2.0 came out, and you had to have this web-enabled application. Yeah. And now we're getting to apps. Actually, I think it tried to transition into communities and social, but nah, I, guess that, I guess we're done with that now. That's, that's the past. Now it's apps. You and your, you and your sexy apps. <laughs> God. My apps are sexy. On all these new devices... And that's a huge mistake. It's a mistake. These software companies should be. You're making a huge mistake, John. Because I'm focusing on sexy yeah, apps. You and your UI skills. Get out of here. I, sh- I shouldn't ridiculous. Be, I shouldn't be building native apps. Focusing on your apps. <laughs> Focus on is building platforms that can deliver these apps, and <laughs> that's what Salesforce has done. We've delivered this incredible Lightning platform. I mean, it is amazing what it can do. I mean, you even saw on the February second launch, we delivered our Lightning platform running on Microsoft Continuum before Microsoft has been able to deliver their own applications running on Microsoft Continuum because of the the kind of flexibility and... and, and That was total... That was demo-ware, man. That is not not available anymore. Satya called him up and he said, the hell, man? You know what? (laughs) It's interesting. I've been noticing more digs at Microsoft, and I wonder, because, you know, we, we discovered that the IoT cloud is complete vaporware, and a whole supposed uh, partnership with Microsoft may not ever materialize. And I've been hearing more and more digs at Microsoft. It's ramping back up. No, I, I can't say I've been hearing more. I mean, I've, I've heard of maybe they're, one other instance that I can remember. They're retreating to their corners and planning their strategies. This is all about coopetition, <laughs> man. I know. Yeah, I guess. They're frenemies, right? <laughs> is that what you and I are? Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> Capabilities of lightning... <laughs> And um, uh, and also, I would point out, that's our strategy as to my comment with Heather on Wave. That is, we have this incredible platform with, our, with Wave to build these analytics apps. And I think you know that we have the, most, uh, the, the number one platform on Amazon Web Services for building applications there called Heroku. Heroku. Ooh. Yeah, that, oh my gosh. John, I'm having technical issues. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> He pronounced it wrong. Heroku. As if the as if the Coo-coo. Heroku guys had any needed any more reason to not feel the Salesforce love. <laughs> he pronounces <laughs> it wrong. <laughs> that just says to me he doesn't spend a lot of time saying that word. Heroku. <laughs> it's like a haiku. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to write them a haiku maybe, love letter. And, you know what? In his defense, maybe we've apologize. all been saying it wrong, and he's saying it right for well, the first time. Except the. All the Heroku guys call it Heroku. And then later in this, he calls it Heroku. It's, I think you're right, though. I think he says it very often. He just, he's like, what is that called? Is it Heroku, Heroki, Heroku? Oh, yeah, Heroku. That's Maybe he's I, just trying to emphasize. He's like, Heroku. It's awesome. It runs on AWS. <laughs> Maybe whoever wrote a script out for him put an accent over the U. <laughs> 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 trying to get fancy. Yeah, I guess someone's playing footsies. And uh, between Heroku, between Wave, between Lightning, and other capabilities that we have, this really gives developers... A, uh, uh, a fast, easy, and very low-cost way to build and deploy enterprise apps. And I would probably give fast you a easy. great example of this company called Steelbrick, 
who uh, came with a lot of momentum out of our Dreamforce conference with this incredible application uh, that they had built using Lightning, and they ended up in my in my office um, in November, and it was awesome. And I'm like, how did you build this? And they're like, well, this work, we just built all of this on Lightning. I mean, I saw this app was running, you know, it's my dream. It's this incredible app running on the watch and the phone and the tablet and everything, and making salespeople more productive and more successful and, I'm, and, uh, and customer service professionals more successful and more productive. And I'm saying, how did you build that? And they're like, lightning, lightning, lightning. And I'm like, wow. And I okay. Wait a minute. And let me ask you this because, you, again, you've been enjoying the Salesforce Kool-Aid. Do you believe his rendition of this conversation? Um, yes, because to him everything is lightning now. But that's what they told him. I mean, I still don't have a single client. I'm sorry. Who, I've seen screenshots of Steelbrick. It's not lightning. It's not the lightning UI. It's not lightning experience. It was, it's, it was a big enough company that had built enough mass that it was an attractive buy, and lightning has only been out for two years. Yeah. There's no way it was built on lightning. I mean, and I realize we're getting caught up in CEO speak, right? But it's, uh, I, think, I still think this is fun to point out all these inaccuracies. <laughs> <laughs> not that we should expect anything else. but Of course, I liked it so much. Anyway, I, I'm done with that one. Um, I am too. I'm done with you. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a problem, John. Enemy. That's your problem. You, you are mine. Uh, yeah, let's not get any ideas. This, arch, is not, arch this, nemesis. This, this is not for enemies with benefits, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, next one is, let's see. I'm looking at some nice pictures of the Steelbrick office. They haven't. Oh, they oh, really? Yeah, I haven't seen it. Pretty cool. Where are they? I don't know. I just on. I was. I had to go back and remind myself what the software looked like because I was like, it doesn't. Wasn't designed with the new Lightning UI. You don't have to have Lightning to enable Steelbrick. No, John. That's how they built it. They built it completely on Lightning. Lightning, 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 Lightning. <laughs> it's just a bunch of analysts. They don't know. Yeah. Feral cats. Yeah. Exactly. Well. <laughs> You know, they've now deployed already. Ah, gosh darn it. I don't believe anything you tell uh, Let me direct this question, Mark Benioff, and to Keith as well. Um, you, you both talked about the role of uh, systems integrators, both as, as, as partners and customers, during the quarter. I'd love to hear the role that those uh, SIs are playing in bigger enterprise deals. And I'd be even more interested here uh, to the extent that you do have some uh, some systems integrators, partners that are consuming a lot of Salesforce.com, how they're doing so internally and, and, and how that's shaping their practice. Well, I think there hasn't been a conversation this quarter that has not revolved around. I'll just say, listen to what he's saying here and with the idea of kind of reading between the lines of what he's saying. Around the incredible success that we've had with Accenture. Uh, we're not only Accenture's fastest growing business unit, but also, you know, they've now deployed already 25,000 users of uh, Salesforce inside Accenture. You heard their, uh, their CIO and their CEO come to our launch on um, uh, February 2nd and give personal testimonial to the success that they've had, that their only regret is that they didn't go faster with Salesforce that they're transforming their customer relationships. You know, what he's talking about there is the Accenture guy said they're, that was, the, you know, because they, they basically did a Salesforce conversion internally. And they, they, I think, started their Salesforce consulting practice and were not, they didn't use Salesforce internally. And then at some point, past year or so, they decided to use Salesforce internally. And of course, at this fiscal year kickoff event, they said their, their only problem, their only regret ever is that they just didn't do it faster. 
that's like when you're in a job interview and they're like, well, tell me what some of your, uh, what are some of your weaknesses? And you're like, oh, I just, I work so hard. That's my weakness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so honest. <laughs> How much do you think they're paying per user? Uh, potentially nothing. I mean, I, you know, the, on these deals of this size, especially with, when it's with a consulting partner that you're, you're going to drive probably I mean, 25,000 users. Okay. So what would a normal, a normie company? <laughs> well, so the paying the list, list price of enterprise was 125, but now it's enterprise lightning, which is 150 yeah. per user per month. What are so, they paying? I wouldn't be surprised if it's 25 a user a month. If, or if could, and it could even be a complete wash. Like for example, 25,000, right? It could, it could be if Accenture brings them X, you know, millions of business in a year. And if they send X number of employees to Dreamforce, that then, then the license are a wash. There's no cost to them. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't, I mean, I have no idea, right? That's, that's a lot of speculation. Cause I mean, that's, that's no, potentially but, but that's, millions of dollars. It, there. It, no, it absolutely is. But that's the way these, at this level with partners, that's the way these contracts work. It's yeah. a lot of times there's not near as much cash going back and forth as what you'd think. It's, it's deeds, you know, it's, you do this, I'll do that. Handshakes, and, back rows. Yeah, and we, you know, exactly. Lattes. <laughs> Better stop there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we haven't gotten to the good part yet of this clip. At an unheard of rate, and this is having a broad ripple effect through the SI community okay. on um, uh, February 2nd and give personal testimonial to the success that they've had, that their only regret is that they didn't go faster so, with Salesforce. So they got on Salesforce. they're transforming their customer relationships at an unheard of rates. And this is having a broad ripple effect through the SI community. The fact that they got on Salesforce, Accenture got on Salesforce themselves, is having a ripple effect throughout the community. Where I think that, honestly, they're all asking themselves, why are they not all using Salesforce? So now Mark Benioff is asking all you consultants out there who are not using Salesforce yourself, why are you not using Salesforce? Building apps on Salesforce and selling Salesforce and having the same great success that Accenture has had. Some of these SIs are kind of prima donnas. They're prima donnas. Wow. He's calling his partners prima donnas. You prima donna. Get over yourself and you start using Salesforce. I want to see what he says. (laughs) who have held on... No, I'd rather just interpret for you, if that's okay. <laughs> ...for the past too long, and it's affected their growth rates and their ability to work with customers, and in some cases, dislodge them from strategic customer... It's the fact that they are not using social externally has dislodged... They've been dislodged from customer engagements. I would, I would love to see him do this as a keynote sales... I don't force. Yeah, yeah, right. Situation. <laughs> I think the only reason he does this is because uh, no one listens to these things. <laughs> Because Except these analysts who don't clearly have no idea what they're talking about. They were not able to uh, move fast enough to understand these customers' needs and got displaced by Accenture. Uh, yeah, if you don't step up, you pretty you know you consultant you <clears throat> and get everyone all of your users on Salesforce, then we are going to replace you with Accenture or someone similar. And uh, we're we're seeing that in mass. And uh, we're seeing that in mass. Um, it's a, it's a, for sure, it's a shot across the bow. It was a shot. A shot across the bow. I mean, he's just coming right out. And whew. Now, that being said, I don't know any Salesforce consultants who do not use Salesforce. I know. I, don't <laughs> I mean, so this is probably just a moot point. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe there's some other big, uh, who's, who's a Well, some of the big competitor. ones, yeah, who have, multi, who have lots of different consulting practices, you know, they don't have to use all those to well, be experts on well, them. Well, considering that Accenture is pretty much one of the biggest out there. There now, yeah. Um, and they've only recently, in the last, what, what do you say, year? Two years? 
got onto Salesforce? I think in the last year. Yeah. I mean, they've been around for years and they've been big for years. Right. And who knows if they, I mean, I'm sure they, listen, I'm sure they were getting pressure to get on Salesforce. This is, this is not the first time these words have come out of Mark's mouth, I'm sure. You know, you've got to get these people on Salesforce. If you're going to be a big partner of ours, then you get, you know. I wonder what they were using before. I don't know. Oracle. That it could be. Yeah. Could have been. Oracle saw Siebel, right? Didn't they buy Siebel? I think so. They had two CRMs. Oracle CRM and then Siebel, separate things. Uh, I thought they rebranded one of them that they bought, but I don't know. Maybe they were on Goldmine. <laughs> <laughs> of the SI community that they better go faster or they're going, there's going to be a broad shakeup uh, in regards to the transformations that are happening underway in regards to these next generation. You know, he's right. Um, you know, my biggest problem with, with SIs is they're just, they're not fast enough. They need more people. He's saying fast enough. Billing more hours with, with, with a lot more junior people. That's what we need using Salesforce. Yeah. So they can all communicate. Uh, implementation, specifically those regarding Salesforce and our product line. Yeah, uh, you know, great question. So first and foremost, great I think question. we all recognize that these SIs, many of them, certainly the, the upper tier of the SIs, are very strategic influencers and in the boardroom and at the CEO level and speaking transformation to these line of business executives. Part of our strategy has been to really strengthen these relationships uh, over time because we know that they bring expertise and access. And they can also drive, most importantly, the customer success. Um, the, the, uh, the observation I would give you is that the most successful SIs are the ones who are very focused on Salesforce. Oh, this is interesting. And the ones who actually run their business <clears throat> on Salesforce. Marcus has given that. The most successful SIs are the ones who are the most focused on Salesforce. So if you sell something and service something other than Salesforce, they're just telling you you're not going to be successful. All right, so I looked it up. So Accenture's competitors are IBM, Capgemini, and uh, Deloitte. Yeah, probably. Better get on the ball. What He's about, talking about you guys. What about proficient? They're pretty big, right? I don't know. I don't know how big they are. I don't either. An example. And we are establishing what I would call a 360-degree relationship with these SIs. So we go to market with Yeah, it's, it's, it's 360 degrees. It's, it is all or nothing. This is a, what do you call it, ultimatum. For Salesforce, it's, it's a great strategy. I mean, if, if Accenture's out there going, we're going to implement a CRM system, what do you recommend? They'll be like, well, we use Salesforce. And this is or what a customer will ask, you know, what do you guys use? So this is what you call market power. Yeah. And wait till Salesforce is a $20 billion company. So you're right. I mean, Accenture's probably paying nothing for this. Well, because the, because from, from the Salesforce perspective, it's very strategic that, that these guys are using it and they're able to use their yeah, but, name. And, true, but what about five years from now when Accenture is stuck in that Roach Motel and they need Salesforce a hell of a lot more than Salesforce needs them? What do you think they're going to be paying for their licenses then when, when renewal time comes? Hmm? Maybe that's why it's a nine-figure deal. Business <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, uh, on Salesforce and... In the case of Accenture, they're actually building product. They've become an ISV. And those are the strategic sort of relationships that we're trying to build here. And we've been very, very successful. And the ones who get it are growing. I had a conversation last week with the CEO of uh, a pretty major consulting organization who was lamenting about their lack of growth, generally speaking. And my comment... And I'm going to guess. It's because I don't remember. Probably because they weren't using Salesforce internally. That's why they weren't growing. To this person was quite... Or either that or they, they were also did something 
They had services that were in addition to Salesforce-related services. Candidly, you're not focused enough on Salesforce. That's what because it is. Because if you were focused on one. Salesforce, your business would be growing. That's, that's the solution. That's the solution to all your problems, John. <laughs> oh, anyway. Uh, yeah, you know, <clears throat> Keith, Keith Block, Ken Block? Keith Block. Keith Block. Just not as, uh, not as entertaining as Marcus. Not as colorful. Yeah, I, I hope we don't lose Benioff on these calls because he's... I'm not sure he's the heir apparent that, that they purport him to be. <laughs> uh, he, he might be, <clears throat> but... I don't know. Um, so Benioff <laughs> went on Kramer, I guess right after this. Yeah, if you want to get on those calls, just tell him you're Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> They'll show you to your seat and it'll be like this, this like red carpeted seat with like a throne... Because he's the kingmaker. Yeah. And, and when I, uh, so when they call in and they ask who I am and they, I say, oh, I'm Jim Kramer. They say, all right, you sure you're Jim Kramer? I'm going to say, you know nothing. <laughs> no, it's you have no idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you have no idea. He has no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be like, oh, sorry, Mr. Kramer. Thank you. Just one minute. <laughs> we'll get you right on. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to practice that a little bit. I'd have to practice yeah. the voice. Yeah. Not sure I nailed it. I, I think, Jim, you have to recognize that. There's been a great cloud washing where every company says they are the cloud. But beware of the false cloud. Oh, we got that again. Remember that one? That's, a, yeah. that's an oldie but goodie, isn't it? Yeah. Jim, that's my point. Because there's many false clouds out there, and I think you and I know. Can you name the false clouds, John? I don't know what a damn cloud is anymore. <laughs> no one does. But that's, just go, go over the Cloud flow. computing, Quit cloud asking platforms, questions. software as a service, pass, mass, TAS. I don't know. Who cares? Is a company that has a deferred revenue model. Oh no! Here's his here. Here is Mark Benioff's. Cloud is a deferred revenue model. Yes. No, that's oh the one. Oh my god! <laughs> oh Benioff! Oh man! Oh, it's, it's getting good. Oh, hang on. I'm, tr I'm trying to be on your on. side here. Have, <laughs> you're not. You're not giving me anything to work with. <laughs> work with me, Benioff. That has a deferred revenue model. That has a subscription service. That's delivered in multi-tenancy that has a customer model built on customer success and is focused on the things that we've talked about on this show now for almost a decade, like the very core aspects of the cloud, like the scalability and elasticity. Ooh, elastic. Now those two things are, are, those are cloud notions. Ability, social integration, and data mm, science, mm. and the Internet of Things. The Internet of Things, which... Uh, Salesforce has done nothing with, as far as we know. Yeah, but that's not their fault. Nobody knows what IoT is. Yeah, no, some people do. I, no, no, nobody no, they does. Do. No, they, no they, do. they don't. They there don't. Are, well, there are... Because the consumer market there, will define what the, IoT is, and all, we have not been are, presented with a technology that has yes, we allowed us to define there it. There are enterprise-grade tools and systems out there for IoT. That may be. But in terms of what it is and what, what it ultimately will become, no one knows. Well, Salesforce doesn't know what to do with it yet. They're still they're trying to figure that. They're they're talking to customers. That's what uh, what's the guy, the IoT guy. I can't remember his name. That's what he said. Yeah, guy. we're we're. Oh, he said yeah. we're still talking to customers. I'm just saying. Yeah, we're still, IoT's not. We're still ready trying yet. to figure out. Salesforce is still trying to figure out what to do with IoT. But we're all still trying to figure out what to do with IoT. Well, I'm not. <laughs> Maybe you are. <laughs> How many devices do you have? How many devices? Yeah, since you know. know what it is. I don't know. I mean, someone may be IOTing me, but I'm not IOTing anyone else. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a symmetrical relationship. And look, these companies are not focused in that area, and that's why they're not able to deliver these great results that you see from us today. 
Yeah, they don't have a deferred revenue model, so that's why they can't uh, perform. They need that deferred revenue. Yeah, that that was that was a good one. That was classic. That was classic Benioff right there. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, I have to get something ready here. Surprise! One 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 isn't part of Beta Cloud. Ah, oh, here we go. Okay, I think I think I'm ready. Uh, oh no, I'm not. Jeremy, I want to be a cloud. Okay, what kind of cloud do you want to be, John? Um. I don't know, but I need I need just some deferred revenue so I can be a cloud. I'm just gonna sell my services on a subscription basis so I can be a cloud. Okay, here we go. Oracle's calls. They said that they seem to spend a lot of time talking about Salesforce. You do not spend as much time talking about Oracle as they do about Salesforce. What would they say if now, I, I asked them about why they Oracle's lost call. the swap deal? Oh crap! I just blew it. I blew it. Did you, did you do Hang that on. or did they talk over no, each other? I blew it. Oracle's calls. They, said they seem to spend a lot of time talking about Salesforce. You do not spend as much time talking about Oracle as they do about Salesforce. What would they say if I asked them about why they lost the swap deal to <laughs> Sorry, I blew that one. But, I mean, we've heard their calls before. Yeah. They, so they can't help themselves from talking about Oracle constantly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you can't, you, you literally can't make this up. Kramer's entertainment value, man. He is. Well, I think Oracle's a great company, but it's a great company of the past. This is a legacy company, a company that has delivered great software to companies in the past, in the history. When Benioff was there. And so they're trying to bring that history forward, but without a new architecture. That's why they're shrinking. No, I mean, to, to his credit, maybe he was there and was trying to move things forward, and they're like, screw you, this is our business model. He's yeah. like, no. he's Declining. again, he was on the beach, and he was going, you know, I know there's better than this. Yeah. You look at those growth rates of Oracle and SAP and even Microsoft, they're all negative. Yeah, it's not that they're not great companies with great CEOs. And billions of dollars in profit every quarter. Yes, they are. They they're are. just mm -hmm. not able to bring their customers forward. And that's why companies like mm, Charles Schwab or Unilever or Wells Fargo or many of the great companies that we're dealing with around the world are turning to Salesforce because we're able to help them to connect with their customer in these new ways and to do it rapidly and at a low cost using this cloud model. And a low cost, only only nine figures. How do you how do you brag about a nine a hundred charging a customer hundreds of millions a single customer hundreds of millions of dollars and also talking about it being low cost? How's that work? All I know is Oracle and Microsoft's problem is they're not using Salesforce. Maybe that's maybe they're that's, not moving fast enough to reach their customers. That's, yeah. If they want to grow, they need to focus on Salesforce. Right. Yeah, uh, he's he's right about in some of these companies. They're especially while they're in transition, like Oracle's a good example. They are investing a lot in cloud, and it is both are very much in transition. Right. But Oracle can, even though they're reinvesting more of their profits than normally, they're still printing billions of dollars a quarter. And Salesforce is now a 16, 17 year old company with twenty thousand employees and eight billion dollars of revenue. That cannot eke out a profit. They can't. It, they have not proven their business yet. They have not proven the business model. In fact, Salesforce is one of the reasons, uh, probably the main reason, why there's been so much now question about does is the SaaS subscription model does that work? Is that ever going to be able to be a profitable business? It's an unanswered question. Interesting position to be uh, throwing darts from. All right. On and you said that the unicorns ought to come public, and they didn't. Frankly, they've just been quietly getting shorn. 
Uh, I thought of you the other day sure. when Chuck Robbins, who's a mutual acquaintance, was able to buy a unicorn for a very low valuation for Cisco. Are you finding it, one, easier to get talent than it was when these companies were offering wampum? And two, are there companies that are not going to... He, he, I don't... His terms, he, I don't even know what any of the stuff means. I know. Did you hear what he said? Uh, what's that term he used a minute ago? Shorn? Yeah, what is this? Wampum? <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if he was talking about, like, some... <laughs> Some startup tech name or something I should know about? Ah, he's, a, he's just weird words he uses. <laughs> Where's he from? That's a good question. Like, is it some kind of, is this his native tongue or something? Yeah. <laughs> to make it that would fit in with Salesforce. So, okay, there's a little bit of background here required. You know, Mark's been, for a couple of months now, has been complaining about the unicorns. Which I guess, what is he referring to? The startups yeah. that, v, that are VC-backed. Now, they're not yeah. public yet. Right, but they they have been for some reason getting under his skin, and after I listen to this, I, it kind of to me shed some light on what's going on here. Well, I think you know we've had a now a number of really important conversations about that. On and you have to keep in mind, Salesforce Ventures is a big VC, yep, operation, and Mark Benioff personally is a VC, right? On your show, Jim, which is that here in Silicon Valley, it's an and it's an explosion of innovation. We've never seen so many great ideas and great new companies, but in that same breath, also we're seeing a tremendous acceleration of these valuations. And I think maybe excessively so, especially in these higher rounds, like in the C and D right. and E round. He's complaining about how expensive these companies are getting to invest in. Rounds where you see these huge valuations. Well, I th well yeah, these are too expensive for me to invest in. I think that you can see we have public companies now with great valuations, with higher revenue levels than these private companies. Look, you <laughs> so could be a unicorn, but be public. public markets. Public which unicorns. Which I think have to be the measure of where these private companies have to be valued. So you have to go public. I mean, I've, I actually just right out of hand reject the notion that a company has to be public. Yeah. Look at the companies that have gone back private again. Dell, Dell. right? There's, I mean, there's a lot of examples. Because it honestly sucks to run your company on a quarter-by-quarter -quarter basis, right? Because then jerks like us pick apart and complain about <laughs> all your numbers. And that's not fun. That's not, a, that's not a good way to run a business. No. But he's, I think he's because, complaining because these, and these, while they're private, so what he's saying is when they go public, that's when you get um, what they call it, like a perfect information or there's this notion in, in investing of perfect information in a public company Theoretically, everyone has access to all the information. The information's perfect. So every, so what the, whatever the company's valued at, it's, a, it's, it's purchase of the shares are available to everyone, the whole public. So whatever the company's value at is its true value. And as long as it's private, he's saying that, you know, these are falsely inflated numbers. Well, who cares? Good for them. Unless you're the one trying to do the investing and you're pissed off because you're having to pay so much for these. Yeah. That's the way I interpret it. I mean, those. we've got some great companies in the public markets that I think are on sale. You've seen that. You've just, you just talked about that. And, uh, you know, this is a time to, to rationalize between the private and public market. Yeah. Your private's just too expensive. He's, he's tired of that. But it's a market. That's I, the I thing. I think too many companies are well, rushing to public. Well, here's, I, I totally agree. And here's the other thing. Even, even though the companies are private, it's still, it, people are only going to pay what they perceive it's worth. <clears throat> and and he, still, he's talking about these inflated valuations, but I mean, look at companies like Twitter and everything who can't, who were top dollar when they went public. Right. 
<clears throat> and now they can't even make their business model doesn't work. Right. And even even these private companies that are raising money, I mean, they go out and sell their story to all these different VCs and they take bids. They get what do they call them? term sheets from all these different and they take they take the one that whatever one is best for them or whatever one they can get, right? It's still a market just because it's not on the NYSE or the Nasdaq or something doesn't mean that it's there's not a market and people are paying what it, in a free market people are paying what they think it's worth. I mean, I'm sorry, but if you, you know, if someone thinks a worth a company's worth 2 billion dollars and they want to they want to buy 10% of it, that's going to cost them 200 million dollars, right? If that's what it's worth. Yeah, but I mean, bottom line, no, doesn't really matter. I know. I'm just saying it's it's funny to hear. I mean, to hear this. This, this is purely I, this is a purely one percenter one percenter being off his buddy's problem. We're listening like, to this, I don't have this problem. We're listening to this billionaire whine and complain about how much he's having to pay nowadays for unicorns. I remember when unicorns were cheap. <laughs> they were a dollar a gallon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, you buy your unicorns liquefied? That's interesting. <laughs> okay, let's Gas see. Gas analogy. Yeah. Metaphor. Um, uh, where am I? Uh, Fitbit analysis made me look at my Apple Watch, <laughs> and I like my fact that my Apple Watch is secure, that it is private. Where do you come down on this very difficult issue, rock and hard place <laughs> between wanting to be a patriot, obviously, and get the bag? A patriot? Guys, versus also guaranteeing <laughs> security on our iPhones. Well, Jim, is your Apple Watch currently charged? Because I think the last time I saw it, it had a big red dot on it. And this goes for five I days, for Jim, without a charge. I was up for hours. I chose not to go to sleep that day. And you know I pulled an all-nighter. You know that was an all-nighter. An all-nighter? Yeah. So, again, this, is, this goes to show you the inappropriate relationship between yeah. uh, Jim Cramer and Mark Benioff. No, we're not saying inappropriate no, as no. in them. It's, it's just conflict of interest. Like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're so entwined in each other's they're, lives they're, that, that they're like, you know, I was up working on this analysis for this meeting today that, to spin this stuff. Yeah. I, know, I think it means they were out partying all night. Is that not uh, what he's talking about? Maybe. I think they were out partying yeah. all night together. I mean, it was, that was, I think he was talking about during Dreamforce. Mm. Five days with no charge, Jim. That's pretty exciting. You know, you never have to have one of those big red screens again <laughs> but, on but your watch. You should about think the, about the privacy. The is, but the privacy issue kind of. <laughs> no, he said it. What he said it. You should think about the Fitbit plays. Yeah. A little bit. What What are you thinking there? What I'm thinking is that it's uh, you know a new world and privacy well and security. There is no finish line when it comes right. to these areas. We're in the fourth industrial revolution, and we are seeing revolution and in information. Okay, you didn't, you didn't hear what uh, Kramer asked him? What should Apple do? Is that what he said? It's where he stood on the whole issue of, of okay. the privacy issue. So you heard the question. Okay. Technologies and bioinformatics technologies and the biological sciences themselves. And the okay. things that you're bringing up are things that we're going to be talking about for decades to come. This, this is the new world that we're in. And look, we're in a world today that is gripped by this technology revolution in a and, world you know we are gripped by technology gripped with things like privacy but also issues like inequality and issues like sustainability this is also part of the fourth industrial revolution and we need to have these conversations so conversation so that everyone is aware of what's going on <clears throat> in the world today it's a, it's a big change should tim cook cave to the FBI? direct question because he didn't well, answer I think it. that what Tim yeah. Cook should be doing is getting down right now to the state of Georgia uh, and going down and talking to those leaders about House Bill 757. Because we're very yeah. worried 
about oh, what's happening to our employees down there with more discrimination, like what, what we fought back in Indiana last year, just reared its head at HB 757. And that's what I think Tim Cook should be focused on right now. You've got to be kidding me. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's put aside the, the, the discrimination thing, because that's a can of worms that... Well, it, it is, but he's using that situation to deflect from a much more serious and relevant question on technology and privacy. And So we've had all these tech CEOs that have come out. So what we're talking about here is the FBI got a judgment against Apple to force it to create a new version, a modified version of iOS to put on a phone of this shooter guy, terrorist shooter guy, mm-hmm. his phone, so they can hack into it, right? And, right? and get get data off of it. And Apple wrote an open letter and said, we're not going to do this. You know, this is, first of all, the government can't, I'm not sure exactly, you can go read it. I don't remember what the exact words are, but basically the, we don't think the government can compel us to do this, number one. And number two, we don't want to do this because this would compromise all of our customers' privacy and security because there's once we create this, the cat's out of the bag and you can't get it. The toothpaste is out of the tube. You can't get it back in. Right. I mean, it's out. It's out. It's essentially out in the wild at that point. And all these tech CEOs from Zuckerberg and, and uh, you know, enterprise tech, business, all kinds of came out and announced support for Apple and Tim Cook's position in uh, refusing to comply with this with this order. And by the way, since then, there, there has been a judgment that they, a, a, uh, in a similar case, that the judge ruled against the FBI. They said, you cannot compel a company to do this work. The government can't go to a company and say, hey, do a bunch of work for us. And we just have, there are rights. We have a constitution, <laughs> and you, you can't <laughs> do that. And Mark Benioff will not support, he will not take a position on this. Mr. I open my mouth about every fake, real, whatever, doesn't matter, social, you know, rights, equality, all this, every issue you can imagine. He's out there blabbering, tweeting, everything else, especially when he gets his facts wrong is the most interesting part. Um, but he won't say anything about this. And John, my question to you is, why? why won't he say anything about this? I don't know. I really don't. There is something there. That's something my, that's what, my, that's my conspiracy there? theory. I don't know. There's some reason why he cannot take a position on this. Hmm. Because normally he would, he loves Apple. He loves Tim Cook. Yeah. He loves getting involved in these kind of uh, controversial issues and these rights and freedoms and everything. Yeah. Right? Why will he not say a word about this? I have no idea. And, and to the point that he wants... Which is, which is fine. I just kind of hate that they use this other situation as a deflection. I know. It's a deflect and defer. I, that, yeah. I hate when people use those tactics. It'd be, I'm surprised last last night when they were partying <laughs> that they didn't discuss this and, and Benioff didn't say, don't bring that I know, up. Benioff's don't like, bring that up. Dude, that's, we took it off the script. We took that off the yeah. script. What are you doing? Exactly. Yeah. So uh, keep your eye on that. I mean, so what, what could that mean? Well, maybe the FBI has gone to Salesforce before and said, we need this. Now, if, a, if there's a court-ordered subpoena to get data... And, it, and it's, not a, it's not a significant, like, asking a company to do a lot of work. They have something to get. They have to, they have to turn that over, right? But in this case, the government is saying, Apple, you must build an operating system. And first of all, Apple's like, well, we don't even know necessarily how we would do that right off the bat. We'd have to spend, like, a lot of time and a lot of work and pay people a lot of money to figure out how we would even do this. Then we have to build a new version of this operating system. You can't compel us to do 
that substantial amount of work. No, your theory is interesting. But, you know, maybe this, maybe the similar things have happened. So maybe but Salesforce- I can't think of any kind of company scandal that seemed to like connect with Salesforce to, to say that something like that has happened. Oh, no, but most of it's probably kept private. And probably that's probably part of the, no, part of the order. It has to be private. Yeah. You know, you, ha- you can't have some of the concern like, that you're not going to know this is going on. Right. Judges issue gag orders all the time, right? By the way, I'm saying right. I'm finishing things with right. And I've, right? you've got right. to, yeah, you need to get that going. My clicker? Yes. Should I pre-click you about it? I was terrible on the last episode. There you got two. Yeah. We need to do some, I need to do some donating anyway. <laughs> you do. It's a new year. We got to start, start with a bang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was really interesting. Uh, so anyway, we have a health cloud. Do you want me to get in the health cloud? That's, uh, that's all the clips, by the way. Sure. I mean, where are we out of time? I feel like we've been running long. Look what I got in my new Fitbit Blaze. <laughs> Some new Fitbit. How about this one? I love Fitbit. I love Fitbit. I've had 20 Fitbits. He has 20 Fitbits. Really? They're that bad? Yeah. <laughs> He's had 20 of them. <laughs> or is he just counting all the prototypes they let him use? I don't know. He's trying to get their stock price up, so he's just he's buying all the product himself. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, li- he, he likes the Apple Watch, but he's... I don't know. Yeah. So we got have we have Health Cloud. What do you have any topics you want to go over? No, they're going to take too much time, and I feel like we're running long. We um, are. Yeah. I do want to answer a question that was brought to us on Twitter. Okay. Um, this one was from Matt Morris. Okay. And so last week we did our kind of uh, desert island. Right. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I'm, my memory's not that bad. You sure? It is, it's pretty bad, but it's not that bad. You forgot to buy my lunch and you owe me, so. You told me, you told me that was, <laughs> you changed that. Do I, I'm just counting you have a big, bad memory so that you'll buy me lunch next time. <laughs> you could convince me of that. You owe yeah. me a lunch, man. Yeah. No, so his question was along those lines is, which Amazon region is your desert island? So if you had to pick one, what would it be? Which Amazon region yeah. would I want to be on? Mm-hmm. Oh, Virginia. Yeah, I chose that too. And I, I have a very specific reason for choosing that, and that's because uh, I recently started playing around with Alexa. Which no. is or sorry, what? sorry everyone, because your Alexa just turned on. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually an Echo, but I call it the Alexa. I, know, I do too. Um, so it's it's the Alexa to me. The app on the phone is called the Alexa. App. Yeah. So I don't know. They, why is it called an Echo? I don't know. They should just, they should drop the name Echo and just call it Alexa. Yeah, they should. Sorry again. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now John thinks I was trying funny. to think of some kind of skill to <laughs> yeah, trigger. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's a fart app. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be nice though. Well, I was actually trying to think of what's the most annoying pre-installed one that it has, but I don't know. It, anyways, um, so on, on Alexa, you can develop skills, and when you develop these you, skills, we should really use it. We need a code name for that. Don't say it again. Um, say we'll say Echo. Okay, because Echo's not a trigger. Right. So so on the Echo, you, when you're developing what's called skills, which is your your ability to kind of pre-program um, things for it to do or things to, for it to respond to, right? Uh, voice commands. Um, and so in their documentation, one of the easiest ways to do that is using one of their Lambda servers and. That's hosted on the 
East region. Lambda is cool. I would like to talk about Lambda sometime. Yeah. <clears throat> you got my clip? Because I was going to make a joke that, it's like that I'm all Lambda. Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. <laughs> Can I? What, what was the movie? What was it? Was it? Oh, it was the nerds. That was, was the nerds. The nerds. Was it? Yeah. Oh, that's what that's from. Yeah. <laughs> Get those nerds! That was uh, was it was the what were the what was it lambda 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 can I help you help you help you or something like that? <laughs> Is that what it was? Let me see if I can find it real quick. They had a song too, didn't they? Oh yeah, dun, dun, the, dun, 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 yeah, dun, 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 dun. something weird. <laughs> um, dun, 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 dun. what were the words of that? I don't think there was any words. It was, it was no, like mostly instrumental, wasn't it? No, there were words. Like there was like some point where one of the guys came out and said, clap your hands or something. Oh yeah. Clap, clap your hands, everybody. And everybody, everybody, clap your hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I remember too much uh, of that movie. Uh, all right. Let's see. Do we have any people we need to thank? We have a lot of people to thank. I yeah, think. we do. I'm just going to throw out Ralph some names here. Um, I want to thank... Uh, David Litton, Ian Stubbs, Nick Mash, Glenn Stuyvesen. Um, who else? Adam Olshanky. Yes, Adam. I hope I'm saying that last name right. Michael Gill. <clears throat> uh, okay, yep. Uh, we actually got some... New listeners, and I'm trying to remember. Uh, yeah, Michael Welburn said Snowcloud recommended it to him. So Stephen, oh, no. Yeah. What? Stephen? Stephen? How, yeah, yeah. If it's if it's S T E P H E N, is Steven. that Stephen? And I assume, that, I assume you say his last name. No, I, that's that's actually the other person I was thinking of. Stephen, no. Yes. Thank you to him as well. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Keep keep sending us notes. Just, uh, yeah. Do your thing. Asking us questions, recommending us, telling us we suck. The, I, don't know. I yeah. I like in, interaction with people. Yeah. The feedback is good. And on the bad feedback, I only cry for like half a day, um, and then I get over I it. I try and, to filter out, filter out most of the complaints about you, so you don't see them. Oh, yeah, that's that's good. It, it, I'm that, very self conscious. I will say that is a lot of work, though. It takes yeah. A lot of time. Very thin skin. <laughs> gets to me that's why i have so much whiskey all right mr john what <laughs> whirly bird <laughs> no <laughs> it's not what that is and to that i say good day sir you get nothing you lose good day sir thank you Everybody and everybody clap your hand. We lambda, 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 and Omega Moon. And we've come here on stage tonight to do a show for you. 
We got a rockin' rhythm and a high-tech sound That'll make you move your body down to the ground We got Poindexter on the violin And Lewis and Gilbert will be joining in We got Booga Presley on the mean guitar And a rap by little old me, Lamar We got Takashi beating on his gong The boys and the moves are clapping along And just when you thought you seen it all Along comes a lambda four-foot tall So won't you come on out here on the floor So we can work our bodies like never before Break 